Thank you for tuning in. My name is Nella, and welcome to my podcast, Ethereality. Today's guest is Vinny Tolman. I have interviewed him now for four different channels, and I can never get enough of these conversations with him. Thank you so much, Vinny, for being here with me today. How about you start with your near-death experience story and then share the 10 principles with us as well? Will do. My story starts in 2003 with my death. And yes, I say death because I did die. I was revived out of a body bag. A rookie medic felt a prompting or an intuition tell him that he needed to try to resuscitate me. He was able to get my body to come back, get my heart to come back. My mind was not back, however. And for three days, while my body was brain dead, I was in heaven. My experience starts where my body was found. And for me, it starts there because that's where I started to witness all of the scene of this body and the scene of, of what was going on. I was watching it all happen from above me. And as the scene progressed and I saw them resuscitate the body, I still didn't know it was me, though. I saw them transfer the body from the, the medical gurney into the hospital gurney. And as they did that, the, the body started to go into seizures. And so they had to use these special straps to strap down the arms and the legs of the body. As they did that, I, I could recognize that I was feeling like I was being strapped down where I was sitting, watching all of this happen from above. And so I looked down to my left, especially, I'm left-handed. And so I looked down to my left. I could especially feel the restraint going on my left arm. And when I looked down, it felt like I was looking down and seeing the left arm of the body. And that was the first inkling I got that what I had just witnessed was my own death and my own resuscitation that I was actively watching them try to bring my body back. And in some weird way, I was existing up here above my body and not down in the body, but up, up above it, watching from above. At this point, I had an overwhelming fear come over me. I, I kept thinking the thought of how could I be so dumb? How could I be so ignorant to not know that everything that I've been just watching was my own death? And as I had these fearful thoughts, I started to see anything negative or anything bad that I ever did. I had what, what some people would call a life review, but I saw all the bad things I ever did first. And then I started to see all the good things that I ever did. And I got to see the good things from the perspective of me doing good things, but also from the perspective of people receiving the good behavior or receiving the blessing of whatever I was doing for them. So I got to see it from inside out and outside in. And as I was witnessing all of this, this tremendous love energy started forming around me and it started pouring over me from behind. And it started like around my, my back and it started coming over me and started warming me. And as it warmed me, I, I recognized that this love, this feeling of light that was permeating me and covering me, that it was coming from behind. So I, I turned around, I turned to see where this was coming from. And I saw this gentleman, I saw him all dressed in white, He had a long white beard, long white hair, and he just shone, it's like light was coming from him. And you could feel tremendous amount of love 
coming just from his smile and from his eyes. And the first thing I thought was, oh, this must be God. And without him moving his mouth, he answered me and said, no, son, I'm not God. And my follow-up to that, because I was very confused. I didn't know what was happening. I thought, if, he, if it's not God, then is it Jesus somehow? And he, he looked at me, he smiled, and again, without using his mouth, he explained that he wasn't Jesus either, that his name was Drake, and he was here to be my guide. He was going to help me go wherever I wanted to go. He helped me understand that I could go back to my body if I wanted to, or I could go with him anywhere in the universe. And that's when I asked him, I said, I said, Drake, where's this love coming from? This tremendous energy that you're pouring all over me, where is it coming from? I want to go to wherever that is. And he explained that that was coming from my home, that I could go back home, and that that was his home as well, that we could make our journey back home. He asked me, said, well, then do you want to go there? Do you want to go home? And of, of course, at that point, I looked back at my body, and I knew I didn't want that. I knew just for a second looking at my body, it was just full of pain and full of hardship and turmoil. I knew that I wanted to go forward. I wanted to go towards, you know, the proverbial light. I wanted to go towards that love. And so I chose to go forward and go towards that love. I began the process of doing it. I began the process of this journey of moving forward with my guide, Drake, and going towards this place of love. He explained that it's a, it's a heaven or a home, and that for me to get there, I would have to raise my love energy. I would have to raise my love frequency, my love understanding, uh, my, my energy of love, of my existence for me to just get there. So the first thing he taught me is the first principle of, the thing that I, of all the things I learned in my experience. And that first thing he taught me was authenticity, that that was the most important thing for us in this life is to learn how to be authentic and how most of the time when we're very young or we're very old, we tend to be very authentic. But on the time in between, as we grow into our age and, and before we get very old, we are constantly trying to reinvent ourselves. We're constantly trying to put up masks and these masks are put up for self-protection or to avoid vulnerability. But it's that very vulnerability that allows us to grow and allows us to be real. And that authenticity is the most important principle that we can learn in this life. Drake helped me see that being authentic is one of the most important things for our, our existence here. That until we can be that truly authentic self, we can't grow. We can't build upon who we are. And that authenticity is, is vitally important. And after we understand how to be authentic, then we can start to learn why we're even here. And he explained that the, the whole reason we're here is so that we can come to Earth School, so that we can learn to love, learn to build relationships, learn to create, and learn how to choose. Drake showed me that when we're in the heaven space or at home, that we're so connected to the creator there. We're so synchronized with that love that whatever the creator wants, we want. And it's very hard for us to distinguish our own desires separate from our, our creator, our father. And so for us to really get a distinguished choice or 
the ability to choose. We have to step away. We have to come to earth school. So we step through a veil of forgetfulness. We come to earth school and we learn from our choices. And that led me to the third principle, which is love. That loving everyone is how we love God, is how we love our creator. That when we are caring and loving others, we are caring and loving God. He helped me as I was understanding this. I didn't have to fully embrace each principle. I just had to be willing to accept that it was possibly true for me. And that got me to the fourth, which is the fact that all of us have an inner voice, all of us. Every single one of us have an intuition. And as we get older, we do different things to turn that intuition either off or on, to weaken it or strengthen it. And as we lean towards technology and the use of technology, we are making our intuition weaker. And as we use our intuition, as we utilize it, and as we follow it, we are strengthening that relationship with intuition. So it's, it's vitally important for us to recognize that we all have an inner voice. And more importantly than just recognizing that we have an inner voice, recognize that technology can be an enemy or an ally to that inner voice. And it's vitally important for us to use, utilize that inner voice and utilize technology to amplify or strengthen or solidify that intuition in our lives. Using technology responsibly, it leads me to a principle I was taught. It's called the hour of power. And the hour of power is, is what we do the first thing when we wake up and the last thing before we go to bed, that what we put and what we do in this precious time this is the hour of power. And what we put in that space is essentially what we're worshiping. If we put, you know, news in our hour of power, we essentially are worshiping the world and worshiping the news. If we put God in that space, we put our creator in our, that space, then we are building that connection with the creator, with our hour of power. And that we can fundamentally change our environment by controlling and choosing what we put in our hour of power. And that leads me to my sixth principle. My sixth principle was release all prejudice. Releasing prejudice was an easy one for me, I thought, because I was raised in a biracial home. I was raised with two races in my family. I felt that if anyone I knew was not racist, it was me. If, if anyone I knew that was not prejudiced, it was me. But yet, as I had these feelings that, oh, I'm not prejudiced at all, Drake asked me, he said, I love that you're not prejudiced. I love that you're not, not prejudiced at all. But how do you feel about prejudiced people? That's when I, I went off. I told Drake uh, a lot of things about prejudiced people. I had a lot of words to say, none of them kind, about prejudiced people. And as I explained my views on prejudice and on the people that follow the path of prejudice, Drake helped me see that I was joining the prejudiced people by having prejudice towards them. And that for me, if I didn't want to be on that side of things, I had to love all beings, including prejudiced people. I had to love all people all of creation. That was a kind of a mind-bending moment for me to realize that my whole life, I didn't think I had any prejudice, only to find out I did. I just had to release it. And, and Drake helped me understand that as I could master my own powers, 
master my own thoughts, then I was allowing myself to master the power of creation. And that was the seventh principle he taught me, that it is through our thoughts we create. If we think positively, we can create positively. If we think negatively, we will attract and create negatively. And it, it's extremely important for all of us throughout our lives to think and say and speak positively. And as we do that, we will, we will be a force for good, a, a force for the positive nature in life. And that was, that was interesting to me because I didn't know that all of us had that power, that we all had this, this power of creation with our thoughts. And if we have that power, then how important it is for us to avoid negative influences. And that was the eighth principle. Because we do have the power of creation with our thoughts, it's extremely important for us to avoid negative influences, to seek out positive influences, and to charge our life with positive influences. But initially, it takes um, the task of recognizing what are negative influences in your life, eliminating them and replacing them with positive influences. But that led me to the, the ninth principle, which is the purpose of evil. That as we go about our lives, we, we recognize there is purpose in good and evil. That for us to have a choice of good, there has to be the alternative of evil. But as we understand how much our Creator cares about us, as we understand how much this universe is pumped full of love for us, we can come to a realization that there's no amount of hardship, trouble, or evil that this world can throw at us that cannot be corrected in a moment of light and love and power from the Creator. That whole choice of good and evil is for us so that we can choose, so that we can climb that Jacob's ladder and get closer to the etherical, closer to our Creator, and that led me to the 10th principle, the last principle, that we're, we're all one. We're not alone. Even if we feel alone, we're not alone. We are one with each other. We are one in humanity. That all of us bleed red in, in the physical. And energetically, we are all extensions of our creator. And for one of us to, heart, to hurt or to harm another is to hurt or harm ourselves. And it goes back to the golden rule, do unto others that, as you would have others do unto you. It's important that we, we really understand that when we go and we live our life, that it's not only about us. It's about all of us. And it's about caring and, and caretaking for our fellow man, our fellow being, our fellow creation in this, in this world. And as we do that, we can come into an alignment with our creator. As I was, I was getting through that last principle, that 10th principle that we're all one, I started to see this space that we were getting close to. And this space seemed much larger than, than what our planet Earth is like. It felt like you could put thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of earths inside or across the space that I call heaven, that it was a, um, such a divinely pristine, perfect place. As I touched down, as my feet touched down in the grass there, I got to experience a whole new way of existing. I got to experience that this grass, as, as my feet touched down, the grass actually came up 
to like meet with my, my feet. And I could distinctly taste a sweetness in the air coming from the, the grass. I could, I could see millions of shades of greens and yellows coming off of the grass. And the grass itself, it glowed. It had light coming from it. It had consciousness coming from it. It had love radiating off of it. It even had like this harmonious um, sound coming off of it. And, and when you looked at it, you could actually see waves of energy like blossoming off of it just to look at it. And as I touched the grass, I felt this supreme consciousness of love. To me, I felt the creator there. I felt that tremendous love that the creator has for all of us. And I felt it coming to me through this grass, through the creation. I could feel how important all of us are to our creator through the simple grass. And as I was, I was just kind of freaking out about the grass. I was freaking out. I could feel so much love flowing into me more than I'd already felt. And as I'm feeling just this permeating love go through me, I, I then hear Drake tell me, Vinny, if you, if you like the grass, you should check out the flowers. You should see the flowers. And I kind of did a little freak out, like there's flowers? How is there flowers? And that's when my, my consciousness went directly from receiving and connecting to the grass to instantly I was right there and I was on the flowers. It's almost as if I was the size of like a bee. I was up close and personal to the flowers. And I could see millions and millions of different burgundies and reds and pinks just coming off of this one blossom. I could even see undertones of all sorts of yellows, millions of yellows coming from inside. And, and just like the grass, the, the flowers themselves they glowed, light was coming from them, not from outside them, but from them. I was soaking in this experience, every bit of it. And that's when I, I recognized that there was trees and Drake pointed them out. He's like, and there's trees. And I'm like, there's trees. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. There's trees. And I, my consciousness went directly to those trees and I could feel those, those trees as they, as I connected to the trees, I could feel the strong connection of intelligence coming from the trees and that these trees, they are intelligence, supreme intelligence and how they are continually connected to all intelligence of the universe. And that as I, I plugged in there, as I plugged into these trees, I could feel the supreme intellect of everything and everywhere. And it was an amazing aspect to all this to understand that this love is so great that it's coming at, at me from everywhere, from every place, every part of this experience, I can feel just this outpouring of tremendous love. And that's when I started to notice this building. And this building was, was off and, and, and up on a, a little hill. I could notice that this building was made out of one single piece of marble. I could feel that there was intelligence and loving consciousness inside the marble itself. And the marble was very functional. People could walk up to a room and match the energy of the room. And they could enter that room. Without Drake even telling me, I knew that this was a university. This was a place of learning. This was a place that people would go in between life. You know, after our, our mortal existence here, if they wanted to learn more um, in between what was coming next for them, they could come to this place and they could 
learn about the mysteries of the universe. They could learn about whatever they want to learn without the, the lies of the past, without the misconceived notions, without the untruths. They could learn ultimate truth and ultimate knowledge from this amazing university, what I call the university. And that's when Drake pulled me aside and he said, Vinny, this is going to be hard, but it's going to be worth it. And as he, he did that, he brought me in to hug me and I embraced his hug. And I got to have an experience that to this day, this is the highest supreme level of love I've ever experienced. I got to feel the coming together of two souls. I got to feel what that was like. And I, I could feel the presence of God in the coming together of the two of us. I could feel the loving care that this guy has for me. And I could feel this love that I had for him. And I didn't understand it because I didn't know him. But somehow I knew him. And, it, you know, we were having this hug. It felt like a pulsar or a huge pulse of light or power just came blasting off of us as we hugged. I could feel that this was my home, that I was finally here. And as I was feeling just so much gratitude for being allowed home, I then started to hear my brother from earth. He was saying a special prayer over my body. Now, meanwhile, my body was in a coma for three days. And this was after the third day. My brother went in there and he went to say a special prayer over my body. And he blessed my body that it would be made whole. He blessed my consciousness to come back into my body. As he finished that prayer, it felt as if he brought me instantly back into my body. He gave that special prayer at about 10 p.m. And I woke up at 1.11 a.m. So only a couple hours after he gave me that prayer, I woke up and I was ready to go home. I was uh, so claustrophobic. I knew that I wanted to get out of that hospital. I knew I was going to do whatever I needed to do to get out of that place and go home. I didn't realize the home that I wanted to go to was my heavenly home. But I, I went ahead and I, I did all the tests, about six hours of tests before the hospital would allow me to be released. After I was released, I went about my day, I went about my life. I went back to work the very next day. Um, I was jogging only a couple hours after I woke up. I needed to clear my mind and clear my space from what had happened. And as this is all happening, I'm, I'm coming into a new reality now. And this new reality is that we have a place that's far better than here. And that's our home. And that's all I could think about for the first few months. That's all I could think about. I wanted to go home so bad. I ached. I yearned in the bottom of my bones to go back. I even uh, looked into the most dangerous jobs. I really did. I, I looked at becoming either an underwater welder, which it wasn't possible. That was too hard to become or becoming a, a king crab fisherman. At the time, again, this was back in 2003, that was one of the most dangerous jobs in the world. I knew that if I could get on some crew, I could have a happy accident, and I could end up back in heaven, back at home. So I began you know, making these plans. I even uh, had made some plans to go test on one of these boats to see if I could uh, cut the mustard, if I could if I could make it work for me to join one of these crews. And shortly after that, before I even got to go do the testing, 
I ended up meeting my saving grace. My saving grace was, was and is uh, my wife. When I first met her, this was only three months after my experience. I instantly could see heaven in her eyes. I could instantly know that there was a piece of heaven in her. And that somehow my, my best connection to heaven would be to figure out what this relationship is with her. It's the oddest thing, but we knew that we were going to marry each other even before we went on one date. Uh, we even talked about it. We already knew we were going to get married. It felt so strongly that God, the universe, uh, life had put us together specifically for us to support each other and to help each other and to be an inspiration for each other. And it was a, a beautiful thing. Only a few months after meeting her, I got to be at a little reunion in Afton, Wyoming, the little town of Afton. And I, I got to see the history of the town being presented as a play or as a, as a show. And in this show, they had some big pictures of some of the founders of the town, some of the first clergy who had ever served in the town. And that's when I got to see a picture of Drake. But the confusing part for me was when I saw his picture, it said his name was Charles. It didn't say his name was Drake. It said Charles. So I went to my grandmother and I knew that she, her maiden name was his last name. And I asked her, I said, hey, grandma, can you tell me about this Charles Kazare? You were a Kazare. Can you tell me about him? And her flat out response was, you mean great grandpa Drake? He's kind of famous in our family. And that was the first solid, just rock solid confirmation that what I had experienced was a real thing. That what I had witnessed was my great, great, great grandfather. And that's who Drake was. His, his real name was Charles Drake Kazare. And only his friends and family knew him as Drake. Everyone else, including church people, because he was a clergy, they all called him Charles. So even to the point where he was having me refer to him as Drake, as his term of endearment, or what his family would call him, that was even a special gift for me. And, you know, every day since, I've had many thousands of confirmations that what I experienced was something very real. I don't ever prescribe that my experience is everyone else's reality, but I do know that it is my reality and that it is very real for me. And I share it with people so that they understand that this life has so much more to it behind the scenes than we could ever know. And that our soul, our spirit, it's been living for an eternity before we got here. And it will live for an eternity after we leave the earth school. And it's vitally important that we keep an eternal perspective, understanding that what goes on here is not such a big deal. We want to do our best and make the best of the situations and what we're given, but it doesn't control us. We get to control our perspective with our thoughts and we get to master our own life with our creation, our power of creation, which is our thoughts. And that is my experience. And since that day, 
I exemplify, I try to exemplify what I learned in my experience with what I do. I help people themselves connect better to their own divinity. I help people activate, truly activate a personal connection with divinity so that we don't ever feel like we're alone because we're not alone. We never have been and we never will be alone. Mm -hmm. We are surrounded in a universe of love. Yes, we are never alone. <laughs> Which of the principles would you say was the hardest for you to grasp? Mm, I think the first one, authenticity, because I thought for sure the most important thing would be love. Love. When I first started my journey with Drake, I, I pretty much pulled out my Christian card and I said, you know, Drake, I'm, I'm Christian. So, you know, you can go ahead and show me the special door I have. <laughs> and I know it's all about love. I know that love is the escalator into heaven. That's what I felt like it was. And, and he said, you know, Vinny, you're right. But before you can even get on that escalator is we've got to help you become authentic and help you learn authenticity. And so authenticity, I think, was one of the big ones for me. I thought that I was authentic and I was fairly authentic, but I did have like a side of me that I didn't show anybody in life. And it's like I kept that side of myself for myself and not for anyone else. And, uh, you know, Drake showed me that until I could bring that side of me out into the public space, I wasn't being authentic. So that was a big one for me, real big one. That was a, a big eye opener for sure. I think that one's a bit difficult for anyone to grasp. I've recently been reading this book and there's a, a segment in it that talks about discovering your ego constructs. First of all, learning why they were developed and then looking at the alternative, taking those parts of ourselves that are exiled and embracing mm -hmm. them again. She gives some really great examples, but I'm sitting here reading this thinking like, Okay, so like, what are mine? It's just such an abstract thing, you know, discovering <laughs> the masks that we put on in order to operate in the world. How do you differentiate between what you are and what the mask is? For me, uh, you know, Drake showed me that up until we're about five years old, we're very authentic with almost everything we do. We, we don't try to hide our emotions. We show them openly to the world. And then after we're 85 years old, it's the same thing. So before five and over 85, for some reason, you know, the 80 years in between, we have a hard time being authentic. And, and so what I ask myself is I ask, would a five-year-old be doing this, you know, authentically? And, and can I do this like a five-year-old, you know, not clumb clumsy or, or silly, but to really earnestly and openly do something. And if I can, then I feel, yeah, this is authentic. This is what I want. So it's, it's a cool way to gauge yourself. Am I being authentic or not? When you look out there in the world today, everybody's on TikTok, everybody's on YouTube, everybody's on Instagram. I live in Las Vegas. There's a company here. There's a, a couple in LA where you can rent a fake jet. So you, you go inside of this fake jet to pretend that you're flying somewhere and you can record your TikToks and your videos. And here's the funny thing. The fact that those are booked out like a year in advance, that means that all these people are trying to fake to be something that they're not. Hmm. And, and there's some energy to that, that there's a hopeful way of doing it, but there's also an insecure way of doing it. And I feel that if you're coming from the insecure way, that you're going around writing bad checks 
that eventually those checks will come due. And whether they come due while you're looking in the mirror or they come due while you're trying to be this great being that you're not, it's, it's really important for us to be authentic because when we are, we are coming from a foundation of strength. Mm -hmm. And from that foundation of strength, we can actually build who we are. But from a false persona or from a false reality, we can't build anything substantial, stable, or secure. Because from that place, only insecurity, only instability can happen. Yeah. But what I, I try to help people do is I try to help them find their inner calling and get clarity on their purpose and get clarity on, on mm-hmm. what direction they want to go in life. And a, a big tool for that is I ask, I ask a client, I ask um, someone that I'm working with, I say, hey, if there is only one day left in your life, what are you going to do with that day? What are you going to do with that time? If money was no object, what would you do with that time? And that tells you a lot about who you really are, who your authentic self is. And, you know, some of us would say, oh, I'm going to go to a beach somewhere. I'm going to go enjoy the ocean, enjoy the sun, enjoy the water. Other people would say, I'm going to go be with family or I'm going to go work with the underprivileged. You know, like there's, there's all sorts of paths for all of us. And I, I joke around with a lot of people that, you know, God made a batch of chocolate chip cookies. And some of us are the chocolate chips. Some of us are the flour. Some of us are the baking soda. Some of us are the salt or the sugar. Some of us are the vanilla. Some of us are the, the molasses. You know, there, there's ingredients. And when you put it all together, you have life. And there's a beautiful sweetness in the fact that we all can be who we're supposed to be who we authentically should be. Um, And as we do that, we realize that the combination of all of us together is the sweet chocolate chip cookie of life. And our creator is the one that's mixing the bowl and bringing us together. And then I would say that some people who are here to be that balance between good and evil, to be the evil side of things would be Mm -hmm. the heat in that oven yes. that's baking the cookies. Absolutely. Yeah, you can't make the cookies without the heat, right? And they they become the heat that help us transform mm-hmm. and become something different on the backside of that heat. We, we go in that oven as one thing and we come out as something totally different. So even the resistance, the uh, oppression, the hardship, the struggle, all of that's happening for a reason so that we can transform and become something better. Yeah, there was a woman who was talking about her near-death experience, and she had said something that stuck with me. Even the people who do really bad things, the bad things that they're doing is still living on purpose. Like, it's part of their purpose to be causing harm and hurting people and, and like, murdering people and all those atrocities that a lot of people, they stop and they say, like, how can God be real if he allows these things to happen? And that actually came up in my mind when you're talking about the ninth principle, that balance between good versus evil. We need to have that contrast. So would you say that even the people who come here to do atrocities are, it's part of their purpose to do so? Let me speak on the flip side of that. Let's say there is not anyone that's going to come here and do harm or choose evil. And in a utopian society where no one chooses harm or evil, there's very little growth, very little growth. 
And essentially, we would be emulating what we already had in heaven because we would be so surrounded by positive decision, positive choice, positive love. And it's the exact same with our children here on earth. If we keep them in our home forever, they never grow up. Where they grow up is by going out into the world and making their own decisions. And that's what this life is all about. We step away from our home. We go out, we make choices. And part of having choices to be made is to have a good choice and a bad choice. And guess what? Sometimes our bad choices can be turned into good if we learn from them. If we're always constantly learning, we can turn some of our worst mistakes into great learning opportunities. So it's really boils down to us what we want to take away. But I, I agree with you. I actually believe that if we, as we step away from this life, and we look at all the different parts and pieces that make this life possible, we will see that many of us were cast into the roles that we played on purpose. And that means sometimes we're cast into the hero role. Some of us are cast into the villain role. But the goal is for each and every one of us is to make the right choice. Make the choice of the light. Choose love. Choose God. Choose caring for each other. Because as we do, we grow our soul. We grow our ability to create. And that's something we get to take with us. We don't get to take any income with us. We don't get to take gold with us or silver. We can't take cars with us. We can't even take an estate with us. But what we get to take with us is our relationships that we built while we were here. We get to take what we learned while building those relationships. And our, our soul's growth by learning how to utilize and trust each other in the growth process. That is something that we get to bring with us. Yeah. So what's your standpoint on pets? So unequivocally pets, um, no matter what people tell you, you get to keep their, keep access to their soul, even in the heaven space, especially in the heaven space. I know many, many people, they would not consider heaven unless their pets were there. That's Unless where I'm pets at. Are there, then, then <laughs> it's not going to be heaven. So it's not a guarantee for all people. But if you really want, you know, the loving soul of your pet to be there, it will be there. And, and what's really beautiful about it, too, is you'll have direct communication with them. You won't be blocked by the physical body anymore. That's what came to mind when you were talking about the things that we can't take with us. And I was like, you know, yep. I, I'm fine. I don't need to take anything, but like, I need my cat. <laughs> yep. There's, there's um, beautiful, fond relationships with all different forms of life. Mm -hmm. We get to bring those relationships with us. And here's what's really neat. Even if the dog's soul itself is on some type of path of growth on its own, like we will have access to a part of that soul out of love because that soul loves us the same as we love it. So, you know, we get access and, and we get to have that connection as long as we want and forever if we want it, which I think a lot of us are going to have pets around us for an eternity. Yeah, I've interviewed some people who saw pets on the other side, and I always think that's really heartwarming. <laughs> it is, and I, I have some really good friends that are pastors, and some of them, it's part of their doctrine to say that pets don't go to heaven, only man's soul. But it's, to me, that would be like making the chocolate chip cookie without sugar or yeah. without the chocolate. And I don't think God's going to do that. It makes life sweeter here. It's only going to make life sweeter there. 
It reminds me of when I was little, me and my sister tried to make chocolate chip cookies. And for some reason they came out tasting like carrots and we were just baffled. <laughs> and that's awesome. <laughs> my stepdad ate all of them. <laughs> there you go. So, you know, even if it comes out tasting like carrots, there's still going to be somebody who likes yep. carrot there cookies. Is. Somebody <laughs> look at that. They make, they make cakes out of carrots. Eh? There you not go. for everybody. Not for everybody. <laughs> I like it, but it's not for everybody. <laughs> Alrighty. Is there anything else you would like to say before we wrap it up? You know, I, I do want to say if there was one thing that I took away from all this, what would it be? And what, what would be that message that I want to share with everyone? And this is the message I want to share with the world. Is God, our creator, loves us more than we can understand. And don't try to put borders around what God is and how God is. Because borders and limitations are the ideas of man and not God's ideas. We can find God in so many different places and ways, and that our Creator loves us exactly how we are, not for who we want to be, who we think we should be, but for who we actually are. And knowing that, knowing that we are looked at by our Creator as a divine masterwork, we are the divine batch of chocolate chip cookies, every single one of us, and that we are extremely precious to the Creator. So, Value your soul, value your presence here, and value your opportunity to be at Earth School. Don't waste your time. Don't burn up your existence in entertainment. Create and build. That's why we're here. And to me, that's, that's probably the most important takeaway I got from my experience, was how important every single one of us are, exactly how we are. Absolutely. I feel like I can relate from the amount of near-death experience stories that I have been exposed to in the last couple of years. I feel like what you just said is definitely a takeaway that I have gotten out of being a part of this community. Mm -hmm. And and it's just amazing to recognize that each and every single one of us is carrying that God spark, you know, is carrying that love and yep. is a part connected to the whole. It is. And what I love too is that, you know, I feel that there's so many people coming forward with their near-death experiences now because heaven is ready. Heaven has their own PR campaign. They're sending a ton of us back. They want us to talk about it like we've never talked about it before. In all of history, there hasn't been this many near-death experiences. And when I say this many, I mean percentage of the population. It's, it's almost to 10% of the population right now it has had or will have some type of near-death experience or spiritually transformative experience. That's a beautiful thing. To me, that's, that's God's love for us. Our creator wants us to know we have a higher purpose, a higher path, and most importantly, an amazing home. My hair stood on the ends and I felt like goosebumps when you were talking about how many people are like meant to experience that spiritually transformative experience yep. or the near-death experience. Well, it's really cool too, because with what you're doing, you're very much a part of this. You get to experience secondhand so many experiences. And in doing so, you're building your own STE. You're building your own spiritually transformative experience, like legit. You really are. So that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. It's just, instead of it being like an 
isolated event. It's just stretched out. And I, I think at times I kind of wish for that highly concentrated, isolated event of intensity and catharsis. But at the same time, I know that that comes with its own side effects. It does. It comes with its own ramifications, its own side effects. And here's the beautiful thing. We can just appreciate, enjoy everyone's experiences for what they are. And, and again, I feel it's just a PR campaign for heaven. That heaven wants us to know that it's real. It's a real place. It's our home. And that if we can keep that heavenly perspective, we can make our, our decisions completely differently than we ever have before. Amen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's a wrap. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Nella. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. And that's the way. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I like it. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. If you loved this episode, please consider leaving a review. If you're listening on YouTube, don't forget to hit that like button and subscribe so we don't lose each other. And just share the link with somebody who can appreciate this message. Blessings to you all, and I hope to catch you on my next episode. Bye.